16, Exodus chapter 16. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you saw, if you picked it up in, in uh, for those of you who have been in this study with us for for a while, you picked it up maybe this morning that uh, Joseph uh, lands the children of Israel in Goshen, and we see that actually and saw that with, uh, at the phase of the study when we were looking at the plagues, and so it's just neat how the Lord already set up a... Um, a, a definition and a, a kind of a defining uh, space for them there. But in Exodus 15, today we're going to be talking about victory and attention. Victory and attention. And as is our 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 kind of plan through this through this study, we'll be looking at the situation, the struggle, and the victory. So the situation, Exodus 16, 1, uh, then, uh, and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin. Now, don't let that, it's not sin like what we think of sin. It's, it's kind of the truncation or the root of Sinai, uh, or Sinai. Uh, so it's the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai uh, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So we know that they get to this point. We don't know exactly where they are. Um, in on a map in this point, but we know it's somewhere between Elam and Sinai, um, and uh, they're, they're there the 15th day of the month of the second month after they're departing out of the land of Egypt. So, um, so uh, you know, it's it's either the uh, 15th day or the 45th day. There's some, I guess, a little bit of debate on that, but. Just follow along for the purposes of of this purpose. Pur- at the very least, they're 15 days in. They're probably 45 days in, and the Lord has split the Red Sea. He has changed bitter water to sweet, and the, and then the journey at this point appears to be fairly flat. I don't know if you know that you can do this, but on Google Maps, if you put a two places in, and you can do this even with respect to biblical journeys, you can pin two places, and if you select walk instead of drive, it will show you the elevation, the gains and the, the ups and downs of elevation. So I first learned that when I was studying the book of Ruth and saw the journey that Ruth and Naomi took out of the land of Moab back into the land of Israel, the, right, the, the promised land. And so there are some things to be gleaned, and at this point... It's been a fairly flat journey. But looking ahead, us, knowing where they go, because it's history, them, they didn't know that. But the path they follow, it's been pretty flat to this point. But they're, they're fixing to go up some mountains. And they're going to go up ultimately to Mount Oreb, where God told Moses that he would minister, the children of Israel would be back at that place, right? So they're getting ready to go quote, up into the mountains. But at this point, it's been pretty flat. We went a couple weeks ago uh, to Colorado, uh, visited Golden Park Fellowship, and spent some time on spring break out, the, out that way. And there, you know, somebody said that a mathematics, uh, graduate mathematics student did a study and that Kansas is in fact flatter than a pancake. 
if you were to take a pancake and extrapolate it out to the size of a state, the bubbles in, you know, you've seen bubbles, if you've, if you've looked at a pancake up close, I don't know why you would have done that, but, but there's little places for syrup to sit, it's kind of where I'm going, right? You've seen there's bubbles in a pancake. Like, if you took a pancake and took it as big as Kansas, it is in fact flatter than a pancake. But once you hit, you know, get a little bit past uh, eastern Colorado, you can start seeing the mountains, right, in the distance. You, and, and in our case, it was like, woohoo, you know, we're at the mountains. In their case, I think there's a little bit more trepidation, right? They know they're going up that way. So, but, there, but there's a, look, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this. Everybody has a butt. It's like, it's like Pee Wee says, but how big is your butt? Okay? My wife is just like, what are you talking about? Who's Pee Wee? Pee Wee Herman? No? Pee-wee? Do you guys not know who Pee Wee Herman is? I am not doing the dance. Okay, okay. So everybody has a butt. But how big is your butt? And I'm not talking about with two T's. I'm talking about one T, okay? So the Lord has brought them to this point, but they're probably running out of food, okay? At the shortest time, it's 15 days. At the longest time, it's been 45 days. They're arguably weak, Okay? They're arguably physically weak. Bread would have not lasted more than a week, probably, at that point. Maybe a little longer. And they know they're, I believe, they know they're heading up into the mountains of the peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula. Okay? It's laid out here because they're between Elam. They came from Elam and, and, they're, and they're going up into Sinai or Sinai, uh, Sinai P- Peninsula. So, there's a challenge before them, and they're running out of food. If you have to go, if you have to walk, uh, uh, you know, they always tell you if you're going on a hike, take a, take a few granola bars with you or something, right? Maybe a little protein something bar or something so that you have it if, you're, if you get in, get in a little trouble, right? They've been journeying, and they're probably at a weakened state. So victory principle number one is don't doubt in the dark what God has provided in the light. If God went so far as to split the Red Sea, cover Pharaoh change bitter water to sweet to provide for you, don't doubt the next step. Don't doubt in this darkness what God has provided over and over again in the light. This is where we get, honestly, it happens to me too, and that's why I say we, this is where we get messed up. We think God must be done dealing with me or working supernaturally or working in my life all of a sudden as if today God doesn't care. Yet he, all the things he's done, including your salvation if you're saved, all those growth steps that you've taken, all those times where God showed up, he did that just to bring you to this point and then just forget about you? That's not what God does. That's not how he works. Satan wants to convince you of that, but that's not how God works. He doesn't do that. And this is not in my notes, nor is it in your notes. If God was done with you, 
you wouldn't be here this morning. You would be laying flat in a morgue or in the ground already. Like, if he's done with you, he will take you home. That's how, that's how he wraps up. That's how he puts a package on the end of your life. Right? So, because there's still air in your lungs, because your heart is still beating, he has purpose and he wants to work. So don't doubt in today's darkness what God has provided in yesterday's light. Okay? So that's the situation. They're, they're kind of finding themselves in a pickle. They know they need energy. They know they need resources, but they don't have it. So this is the struggle. Now, today, today's going to be a little, a little bit different. Normally, on your, on your paper, I put the, the narrative of the struggle, and then we look at some, some, some notes, right? Today, you have that. We have some notes associated with the people, but then we have another reference and, a, and a, some, some notes about the leaders because there's two struggles going on here at the exact same time. One is with the people, and one is with the leaders, I think there's lessons for all of us to learn from both of those situations. Okay? So the people, they, again, they have real needs. Food. They're, they're running out of food or they have run out of food. We just saw last week they ran out of water. This is not, they are not complaining because they don't have enough cushion, enough, enough fluffiness in their cushion chair. They're not, compl- they're not complaining because their, their food is not cooked exactly. Their, their ribeye steak, and evidently i got to buy Sam some ribeye steaks. He loves, apparently loves him some ribeye steaks. It's not that this steak is under or overcooked. They have real, tangible needs. Okay? But they have a bad response. Their first response, just like what we saw last week with respect to no water, is they murmur. So what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of, I think you'll see, so, so this is what the verse looks like, right, or verse is. So, so this is the exact same slide, but with highlights. The children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. We talked about that. And I couldn't remember the word last week, but murmur is an onomatopoeia. Does anybody know what an onomatopoeia is? It's, 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 it's spelled or enunciated like it sounds. Okay? So like sizzle or fizz is an onomatopoeia. And I don't ask me how to spell it. I could probably spell it the same as phlebotomist. So just don't ask me how to spell it. But murmur is what they're doing. Murmur. Right? They're complaining under their breath to Moses, against Moses and Aaron. Okay? Hey, you don't even know what you're doing. What kind of leader are you? But they're saying it softer. What kind of leader are you? I can't even believe we followed this guy out in the wilderness. He doesn't even know. Look at him. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He's got a staff. He doesn't even know what to to do with it. Right? So they're murmuring. The second is, and this is really important to call out, they desired... The old way. They desired the way it was, even if that meant death. And notice in, in, in verse, so same, same reference, 16, verse 3, And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. 
when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread in the full. Like, it literally would have been better for us to have full bellies under slavery, not fulfilling what God has called for us, than to come out here and die. Wow. That's a, so if you start looking back, not just at what God provided you in the light over the last few weeks in a divided Red Sea and taking out Pharaoh and changing bitter... like. If, if we had witnessed, and I mean the, you all that I can look at in the eyes, if we had witnessed and experienced the Red Sea, and we had seen bitter water supernaturally converted to sweet water, I would like to think, evidently it's our human nature, but I'd like to think we'd give God a tiny bit more benefit of the doubt. But, but their, their needs are real. Their needs are real. And they don't do that. They actually look back. If you start looking back and saying, the way it was before I was saved, or the way it used to be when I was in bondage to sin, the way it was before I had the freedom that I have in Christ was better, you're thinking about it wrong. I love you, but you're thinking about it wrong. Like, stop thinking that way. There's nothing there but death and slavery and no freedom. It literally would not have been better for them to die with full bellies. God is at work. So they literally des uh, desired the old way. So yes, Satan is going to tempt you and say, before you gave your life to Christ, before you were committed to discipleship, before you decided to get baptized, before you started to, to get serious about studying the Word, remember when you had a better job? Remember when your family was, you didn't have struggles with your family? Remember when you got to have a full belly? Just be careful, because if you're deciding based on your flesh... You're going the wrong direction. Look forward. Look forward. And then the third thing they do is they doubt God's leading and purpose. And, and I guess you could say they were doing that in murmuring and they were doing that by looking, but they, but they specifically called it out. <clears throat> Same verse, verses, at the end of verse 3, For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but that's kind of a kind of a stupid statement. Literally, did, did they really think God? I mean, they must have, but did they really think God brought them through the Red Sea just for a few weeks later that they could pine away and die? Like that's, with all due respect to the people and the challenges that I have never had, I've never worn those shoes. I don't think so. I just don't think so. I don't think so. So, don't forget, so we're going to go up for just a second. They murmured, they desired the way it was, the old way, and they doubt where God has taken them. But this, at the exact same time, there is a struggle for the leader or the spiritual person in this story, and that's Moses in particular. Look at verses 4 through 7. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day, that I may prove them, whether they will walk in my law or no. 
And it shall come to pass on the sixth day that they shall prepare that uh, which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the, hand, uh, from the land of Egypt. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for he that heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? So the leaders also, guess what, had real problems. They have real need. They, there's nothing recorded that Moses has a special stash of food that he's drawn off of. We don't read that Aaron was, you know, any more supernaturally taken care of. The point is they're in the same boat, right? They're in the same boat. But they have a good response. Their first response is they listen or connect or commune. They communicate with God. And very, very specifically, then said the Lord unto Moses, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Now, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds here, but the complaints were against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord does, in fact, record that he's bringing bread for all the nation of Israel, but he's doing it for Moses. He's, in, he's continuing to invest in Moses' Moses's leadership. We actually see that continue because Moses then communicates that to Aaron, and Moses and Aaron, in verse 6, said unto all the children of Israel. So there's a hierarchy in communication and trust and structure. Okay. So the first is that they listen to God. The second is they communicate truth. They communicate truth, that which they've been given God. They don't look back. We don't see anything in this passage about Moses and Aaron contrasting it. Like, this is where I would probably fail as a leader. I would be like, I've already kind of done it up here. Like, really? Oh, it would have been better to be a slave and sitting by the flesh pot? And they'd be like, yeah, as a matter of fact, it would be. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. And they're like, no, you're an idiot. And that's the kind of leader I would end up being. And then I probably would have whacked somebody with a stick because I had it. Like, <laughs> that's probably not... Well, it's definitely not how you're supposed to lead, right? It's not a debate. Moses and Aaron don't respond specifically to what the children of Israel are calling out, that it would have been better. They're looking forward and saying, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. Okay? So they communicate truth in our passage. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even, then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. You're going to know that God's got purpose in this. He brought you out, and he didn't do that just to kill you in the wilderness. Okay? So they communicate truth. You should always, always follow People who communicate truth. I had an interesting conversation with a person from this body, from this, from this church, about some things that I said at the marriage conference. 
So I was, I was one of the, the, the teachers at the marriage conference, and I said a couple of things that didn't set right with him. He handled it in a completely brotherly, completely loving way, but he grabbed me and said, I'm not sure I agree with this statement, and I'm not sure I agree with that statement. Now, the reality is those statements were commentary statements, right? So teachers and preachers, like, we do provide commentary. And I got his point. Like, it was probably a little strong the way I said it. But at the end of the day, I still believed it. And I, I, I guess I, I answered him based on experience, based on scripture. But you've got to be able to do that. And I actually have a newfound respect for this individual that they felt comfortable enough to come up and kind of challenge in the right way that which I was sharing and that which I was teaching. You have to be able to do that. If you don't, if you don't hold your teachers accountable to preaching the Word of God, communicating truth, that's on you. That's on you. That, the, 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 the bad part of that, if the teacher or preacher has a motive, especially a bad motive, that can end up in a cult. Okay? Because I don't think I would ever get, I would ever end up in a cult because I'm just too, I guess I'll say bold, but brash is probably the right word, <laughs> to approach somebody and be like, that's not what scripture says. I mean, I would do, try to do it loving, and I try to, but I've had those discussions with Sam. I've had those discussions with other pastors in this church, especially even before I was a pastor, and said, I'm not sure you said this, but, but that, this is what Scripture says. Right? You've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to hear communicated truth. Hold us accountable. We need that. You need it. Okay? And you, they also trusted the leaders, in this case the spiritual, trusted in future provision. So they're talking about, okay, this evening, and then in the morning, and in the morning you're going to see the glory of the Lord. They, they, don't, they don't, like, no, no, that's going to happen. They don't have a time machine. They haven't gone forward in time to see it. That is a faith statement based out of communication from God that he's going to show up and he's going to take care of them, right? Same thing, we get statements from God and we have to believe them on faith. We have to operate. God's going to show up in the morning and he's going to do this. I have great, like I don't know what heaven's exactly going to look like, but I'm, I'm kind of excited about being there, right? I mean, I appreciate Teresa's you know, prayer request this morning about uh, uh, the relationship cousin. No, cousin, right? Cousin, who's a believer, and she's ready to go. Like, like, uh, you know, I'll be, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll say, I'm ready to go today, but I'm not ready to go, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm, but, like, I'm not going to walk out and, like, walk in front of a car. Or, knowing me, I'd probably walk out in front of a parked car, and it would just be awkward. I'm not going to kill myself. To, they'd be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, I'm killing myself because I want to go to heaven. They're like, we're not even driving. <laughs> so like I was thinking in a minute you would, and then you'd run over me, and then I'd go to heaven. And they'd be like, you're just going to mark up our front of our car. So, and then they back away slowly. It's just like, it, the whole thing just doesn't work, right? But, yeah. But... <laughs> They'd be like, no. 
but I I want to go to heaven, but I'm I mean I'm obviously not ready. But but there is great promise, and all of that is completely on faith. I mean I know it, but I know it from Scripture. I didn't get the privilege like John of going and seeing it play out and then come back on the earth like that. Oof. You trust in future provision. Why would the Lord bring me to this point only to let me die of, not first, because he just took care of that, but now die of food, no lack of food? Like if he wanted you dead, he would have let you die in the Red Sea or he would have left you in, before the Red Sea and let Pharaoh kill you. Or so. like, like why would he keep delivering you and then all of a sudden be like, oh, I forgot about them. Right? That doesn't even make sense. And then the leaders, now this is the hardest part for me as a pastor. I'm just, I'm laying it out. The hardest part for me is that they have to address bad behavior. They have to address bad behavior. And so they said, and they tack on, and there's no indication that this is wrong or this is sin. For for that he, God, heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Why are you murmuring against your leaders and against your God? Why are you doing that? It's inappropriate. It's wrong. And addressing bad behavior is not a pleasant conversation. Except to the extent you can still look forward. Right? Because I am not here to mete out judgment... There's very few cases in our church, only one time that I've sat in pastor's meetings where we've decided that an individual should no longer go to this church and they should be told, if you're going to live that life, if you're going to blatantly claim to be a Christian but do X, you need to leave. And my understanding is the Lord convicted that person and they have come back and they said, okay, I'm ready to give up that because this body matters that much to me. That's what it's supposed to do, right? But those are not easy conversations to have. We don't say, it's like, it's like you're not supposed to discipline your kids out of anger, right? You're supposed to discipline them in love. You're supposed to do the same thing. Like it hurts for a pastor, it hurts for a leader to say, you can't do that. You can't act like that. But that's what they're doing here. They're calling out bad behavior. Like, don't murmur against us. Don't murmur against God. That's not productive. So, Paul, in three specific passages we're going to look at, but Paul does this actually several more and so I'm just grabbing a couple that we can, or three that we can look at. First Corinthians six nine, he says through eleven, he says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor uh, adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God." It's a statement. Statement of truth. And such were some of you. Ah, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. He does look back to the extent that says, hey, don't forget what you were, but let's press forward because of what you are today. And what you are today is washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if you haven't had that moment in your life where you for sure took your sins and said, Lord, I can't pay for these. I want to try to pay for them. We all have that in us that we want, we're accountable for our own kind of actions. We want to be accountable for our own actions, especially our sins. So we try to do things right. We feel guilty about doing things wrong. Look, that equation doesn't add up. A tainted individual cannot present themselves clean. It just doesn't work that way. The Lord has to do the washing. The Lord has to do the sanctifying. And the Lord has to do the justifying. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. You can't do it yourself. If you've not had that time in your life where you have laid your sin down at the cross of Calvary knowing that He can cover it, knowing that He was the substitute for you, if you've not confessed your sin and believed on the name of the Son of God, then I would implore you to deal with that even today. He continues and er, also addresses it in Romans chapter 6. But, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Then, because you've obeyed the, 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 the doctrine of the gospel, being, then being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Which is a, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? We're all... We're all servants to something. We were made free from sin so that we can serve righteousness. That's what we want to do. We want to serve righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. You're always going to deal with it. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and to iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Paul is having the same conversation, similar conversation, that Moses and Aaron is having. Look forward. You've been redeemed. The Lord has brought you through the Red Sea. He's done an amazing work in your life. Stop trying to go back and live the way you were. Even in Ephesians 2, 1-6, through 6, And you hath he quickened. It's an old English word for made alive. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. You sat at the, at the, at the, at the, uh, what was the term? The, you know, sat with, you know, full bread, right? At the, at the pots, right? In Egypt. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit thou now worketh in the children of disobedience. You lived in slavery in the world among whom we all have had our conversations in time past and less of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And everybody's got a but. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Paul is doing the exact same thing that the leaders of Moses and Aaron. Stop looking backward. You've been redeemed, if you have been redeemed. You've been saved, if you have been saved. You've been washed, if you've been washed. Sanctified and justified. Stop looking back. Stop trying to go back to the way it was and start looking forward. So victory principle number two. If you find yourself looking back, stop and look forward. If you find yourself 
toying with the way that it used to be, stop. Lean forward. I think I've said this maybe before, but I'm working for a, a new boss at, at work. So the CEO that I work for, he's, he's retiring and I've got a new boss. And this new boss has a kind of a, kind of a neat approach uh, to a lot of different things. But one of them is he says, look, I'm not afraid of failing, but if we fail, we're going to fail fast and we're going to fail forward. And it's like really good. Like we're not going to wallow in a failure. We're going to try. We're going to try a lot of things, and not everything's going to work. And that which doesn't work, we'll get out of, and we're going to fall forward. And it and and please, 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 don't fall backward, please. So this brings us to our victory. You guys are not listening fast enough, so I'm going to have to I'm going to speak a little faster because your listener is in slow mode, so we've got to pick it up a little bit. Exodus 16, 10, through thir- uh, 10 and then 13 and 14. And it came to pass, as Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, yikes, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud, Jumping down to verse 13. And it came to pass that, e- uh, that at even the quails came up and covered the camp. And the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that, w- that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground, which is like it looks like a coriander seed, right? That's manna. It's going to be what they're going to survive on. But what we see is the Lord showed up, the Lord spoke, and the Lord provided. Okay? The Lord showed up, but look at this. The Lord showed up, but they had to look. The glory of the Lord shone, right? He appeared in a cloud. That means I could look toward the cloud, or I could look away from the cloud. And you say, Mitch, you're really reading into it. I'm not sure I am. The serpent that was put on the pole <coughs> in the wilderness will get there later, right? Um, they, they, you know, bit by the the the, the serpents, right? If they if they need healing, they had to look on the golden serpent, right? That was raised up. They had to look on him, okay? Just like we have to look on the Lord. But in Micah chapter seven, therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Isaiah 45, 22, Look upon me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. And there are plenty of other references in Scripture where you need to look on God. You need to look toward Him. When you're feeling, I've got no food, I've got, I'm insufficient, you're asking me to walk up a mountain, I'm already tired, I don't, I'm not down with this, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I was thinking this would be. I really want to go back. Like, I, I, like if it was me, I'd be like, I really want to go back to Egypt. I want to go home. Like, like, I think we all have a little bit of that us, in us, right? I don't want to go back where we had bread. I like bread. The butter. Warm. Like, I just want some bread, right? I saw a cute little... Uh, it was, I think it was a TikTok that was shared on, on Facebook. And it was this little girl, and she was starting to cry. She's, I'm probably two or three, and she was starting to cry. And her mom's like, 
don't cry. It's okay. Don't cry. And she's like, I'm not. I'm smiling. <laughs> smiling. It was a precious little thing. And then at the end, she's like, okay, okay, but we're not going to cry over this. She's like, okay. And I think I need a nap. <laughs> it was the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like, like that's kind of how I would feel in the wilderness. Like, I kind of need some bread and a nap. <laughs> but when we're, when we're pouty like that, when we feel like that, we need to look on the Lord. They had to look. They also, the Lord spoke, but they had to listen. They had to listen. In Deuteronomy 31.12, that they may hear, that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. I mean, that is part of the dynamic. You have to hear what God is saying to you. And while I'm going to, Brian's going to do our job bringing the word Sunday in and out. Sam's going to show up. He's going to have prepared. He's going to teach what the Lord believes he's supposed to teach. You cannot survive on a couple of meals a week. You have to spend time listening to the Lord Believe me, prayer is us talking to him, but he speaks through his word. Sam even touched on that this morning. If you start thinking you're hearing from God and what he's asking you to do is not validated in the word of God, that is not God speaking to you. God's not inconsistent. We're going to do our job, but you've got to listen. And then last, but certainly not least, the Lord provided... But look at this. They had to capture, kill, and prepare prepare the quail. It's interesting because it came to pass even that the quails came up and covered the camp. I think it was an Instagram filter or something that my wife shows me the other day. She takes a picture and she turns the phone and it's a chicken sitting on her head. Right? Has anybody else seen this? Like... I don't know, maybe, it, okay, evidently it's just us. So so it was this filter, was it Instagram? Snapchat, Snapchat, uh, my bad. Snapchat filter. It's the, oh yeah, now you all know what I mean. Right. It was a Snapchat filter where it looked like, it, the chicken like was moving and everything. It was, it was pretty funny. It looked like it was sitting on her head. The quail come down and they literally land in camp. I don't know if, I, I've seen some, I don't know that I've been around quail a whole lot. I think you have to be from Nebraska to be around quail, right? But, but, or is that, that's pheasant, that's, are quail and pheasant the same thing? No? Okay. But they all taste like chicken. No, they don't? Okay. Whatever. You were with me. I've not been around, I've been around some birds, wild birds, fowl, if you will, even when I've had small kids, when our kids were small, uh, there, we have been around Canadian snow geese, and you walk up to them, and what do they do? They walk away, typically, right? And if you go a little faster, they go a little faster, right? They don't particularly like people. I don't think quail particularly like people. It's a supernatural thing that the quail came and landed in the camp. But they got to go pick up the quail, they got to wring its neck or whatever they did, and they got to prepare it to eat it. There's effort that they had to, like God did not put a finished meal of cooked quail in their tent. 
Right. Well, to some degree it is. But even then, the nation of Israel is not laying down, allowing the manna to fall in their ground, or in their mouth. It was landing on the ground, and they had to gather it. There's effort that they had to expend, and then ultimately they had to trust. And we see that in the fact that they could gather up enough for one day. If they gathered any more, it would go rotten. Except on Saturdays, or Fridays, I guess, like, like, then it supernaturally didn't go bad for that day because it was the Sabbath. Like, the Lord is showing up, and they had to trust that. So finally, a victory principle number three. Provision comes not with passivity, but with attention. Okay? When you find yourself in a difficult situation, and I'm not trying to be like super wordy here. It, I, try, I typed it a couple of different ways and it didn't sound right. Provision doesn't come with you being passive. It comes with you being active. Okay? With you giving attention, looking, listening. Those are active traits. To give attention to God. And when you start doing that, you'll start seeing the events through the lens of God's focus. That he's brought you there. What did he say in... Uh, I'll find the verse. In verse 4, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or no. So God's going to lay the provision right there. But you might have to gather it, kill it, clean it, pluck the little feathers off of it, prepare it, clean out all the insides. And I'm not trying to be super gross, but enough to show that that, was, that, that took effort. And it wasn't always pleasant. And you had to pick up, look, I don't know how long the second rule was with the nation of Israel. In our house, it's really, there's a no second rule. If it falls on the floor, the dog's going to get it, basically. There's a zero second rule, and that's, unless it's chocolate. If it's chocolate, then I clean it, I, <laughs> and I'll eat it. <laughs> but, but manna is falling on, like, the, every day. Every day, they're walking out and being like... <laughs> <laughs> get the sand off of it so they can eat it. And when quail was provided, they had to take care of it. It takes effort. You can't just show up and be like, I'm here, God. I'm doing you a favor. Now teach me. You have to be ready. You have to be attentive. You have to receive that which the Lord is providing to you. We can only do it. Sam has said, he, and I will use myself in the same, I can only pastor you to the extent you will allow me to pastor you. And God will only lead you to the extent that you allow God to lead you. It's going to take Israel 40-ish years to figure this out. And some of them technically don't figure it out because they don't ever get to go into the, the promised land. 
I'm, I'm praying that we can learn the same lessons that they learned, the victorious lessons, because he's preparing them to enter ultimately into the promised land to, to fight bigger battles, much bigger spiritual battles. And I want you to have victory in your life. That's why I think the Lord has us in the book of Exodus, so that you can see how victory occurs. And in this case, victory comes through attention to what God is doing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that I represented it as you had me do. And, and, and Lord, I, I, you know my heart uh, on it, and, and I certainly am not have no person in mind. I have no agenda in mind. I'm just sharing the word that we came up to in chapter 16. So, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would put it, uh, allow it to land in soft ground of people's hearts and and just do the work, the Holy Spirit do the work of watering this word, the seed that was planted. And Lord, if there is anyone under the sound of my voice that has never received you, they've never had that moment where they've had their sins covered by your blood on the Calvary's cross and you're conquering the sin and death in your resurrection, Lord, that they would that they would understand that, that they understand they have a need and that they would get together with somebody to, to just to solidify their need for their sin to be dealt with. And Lord, we're, we're all still sin. We all still have trouble. I'm not certainly far from sinless. Uh, but Lord, I thank you for covering my sin. And Lord, we love you. We ask that you be with us as we depart and go our separate ways today. And Lord, help us to lean forward, to look forward, to be attentive to how you're working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You guys have a great day in the Lord.